1: what's up guys i just did an episode with george webb i was gonna have him on my podcast but then he said that they wanted to live stream it on theirs which is cool okay um but i don't do live streaming so i did it on his show but um it was a really cool conversation so i'm gonna upload it on mine anyway so yeah um in closing I, i i i do have to say that all the podcast guests i talked about today i don't speak for any of them dr malone dr alabic hatfill Nass, did i say alabic charlie duke um claire lopez ken clisby everyone i mentioned today and i'm not saying and i'm not saying that you you know you made me represent them it was just full disclosure it's i don't talk for i can't speak for any of them i love them all as guests they've all been very kind to me So I don't want anyone to, you know, say Tommy said Albeck is, you know, actually still working for the like, no, no, I email Albeck and he's like, Merry Christmas, Tommy. And I'm like, I hope your daughter is doing well. I can't wait to chat with you again. Same thing with Dr. Malone. I tweet him a meme where I turned him into Post Malone and I gave him like the head tattoos and everything. So just for that, I have to, you know, kind of cover that. I don't speak for any of them. Again, I can only speak from the discussions I've had with them with Malone and McCullough. I I they passed my sniff test. I think they're both wonderful people. Um and I don't anything I, you know, discussed about history and cold war history, I don't want it to make it sound like I'm I'm comparing the two and saying, Oh, they're the same. I'm not at all. Um just for, for me. I have to just out of respect for them, just as i would do for you someone's like do you think george webb loves auschwitz i'd be like what but you know i would entertain the idea i'd go sure tell me your conspiracy about Webb. doesn't mean I and i would end that podcast by saying i don't speak for george webb so i just have to say that for myself and just out of respect for them as individuals like yourself give me time out of their day and give me podcast content so just kind of wanted to cover my base with that and um
0: this is george webb broadcasting live 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 from beautiful florida and i think tommy kerrigan who doesn't know him but i'll introduce him anyway he's one of the best podcasters in the world he's done uh incredible uh work with uh dr malone you may have seen his interview of dr malone ken alaback he's uh, i think peter mccullough he just is the getter he goes out and gets the big interviews tommy kerrigan how are you today
1: i'm doing very good man thanks for uh... Thanks for having me on your Oh, show. I can't
0: hear you very well, Tommy. You, you got your mic muted. I did, Click uh, on that I, little... Uh, unmute? He doesn't unmute. use StreamYard, though. That's Is it... There's a little mic in your left corner.
1: Yeah, it doesn't... Click on the unmute. Doesn't say I'm muted. He's unmuted.
0: <laughs> hey, how about now? He's one of the best podcasters <laughs> Casters not <laughs> on StreamYard. <laughs> he usually uses... You uh, see you um, see the mic mute yeah thing?
1: It, it doesn't say i'm
0: muted he's not muted you can hear oh, okay all right the problem is me tommy i need some let me get some earbuds on here so no i can hear you because i can't hear you no worries hold on a little bit wardrobe change sorry folks that's all right we'll let people get in the show hold on Tommy, just, uh, chat a little bit about, uh, yeah. yourself and, uh, sure. uh and, and your own while we're waiting for George. Sure. Okay. That's Oh, so, I can hear you now. Good.
1: You can hear me now. Yeah. All right. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, as, as you know, I got, a uh, I got permanently booted from YouTube in August, 2021 for, uh, Dr. McCullough telling people to take vitamins regardless of the vaccine said, if you want the vaccine, go get it. And uh, of all the things that have been said on my podcast, that was perhaps the most vanilla thing. And he was like, hey, you know, it was just a very soft voice. Hey, you know, go get quercetin, vitamin D, zinc, and uh, turmeric at Walmart. And I was like, cool. And I uploaded that. And uh, the title of that video was literally just called Take Your Vitamins. And YouTube permanently banned me that day for spreading uh, dangerous misinformation. And they also said I was affiliated with violent gangs, which I had no idea how they striped that in there. Um, but... Yeah. So that's a little about me. George has been on my show several times and uh, yeah, man.
0: Now, had, had you ever been, oh, I'm getting an echo. Hold on here. Um, I'm just wondering if you have ever been involved or have you ever had any gang paraphernalia or any t-shirts that you may have purchased while on a vacation, uh, maybe Disneyland where it said, you know, some kind of gang symbol or anything like (laughs) that? No.
1: No, it's it's uh, I have I've lived the most vanilla life, the most uh, unsexy, unviolent life. I've somehow been labeled as a as a, a spreader of violence and disinformation, which I didn't even know was possible. So, yeah, no, it's kind of kind of seems bullshit, but um excuse me. And um so, but that's just kind of led me to want to cover this stuff more. I mean, I've said before on the podcast Podcast was never meant to be a COVID podcast. I, it's it's not a concern of mine. I like the Cold War. I like talking about UFOs and fun conspiracies and everything from ancient Egypt to sci-fi authors. But to me, when I start being told I can't talk about something, I, that's what I want to start talking about. And I think that's just, I think that's just the the internal human in me. Someone says you can't do X. Well, I'm like, well, now I'm going to do X. So, again, COVID has never been an interest of mine. I don't care. Uh, I really have no interest in it. It's a, okay, it's a virus. But because I've been so systematically shut down on multiple platforms for interviewing uh, very accredited people, that just makes my spidey sense to start tingling. And I'm like, well, let's follow this. Uh, let's keep tugging on this string. So, yeah, man.
0: Uh, you're one of the, the uh, most uh, well-read 25-year-olds, I think, in, in the in, uh, that I've ever met about the Cold War. Twenty-three. Thirty. Twenty-three. Thirty. Okay. <laughs> uh, and I'll put my headset back in to hear your answer. But where, where did that develop? Where did your – and I want to get to the Ukrainians. Don't worry. We're going to get to the people being snuck in uh, in the boats at night and all the Jeff Epstein's white Russians for the bioweapons folks from Russia. We're going to get to that. But before that, just a little background on Tommy and his uh, interest in uh, national security type issues and history.
1: Um, you know, there was never really there's never really a moment. I mean, I was a biology major in college. Um, to me, it's just it's just fascinating to me. I mean, it's just, you know, it's real life spy movies. And uh, I never really set out to learn it or become well read on it. I taught myself graphic design for three years. 2016 through 2019 16 17 18 and 19. so four years and um you know i would do it for hours and hours a day and so i just started listening to audiobooks or documentaries on youtube about like norad or something and um yeah i would just find something interesting and then you know i'd be listening to a documentary about norad 10 times in a row and eventually i'd start to pick up on a random fact in it about like uh you know reagan's star wars So I'd be like, oh, let's go learn about this. And then that would lead me to some agency that was formed in the Cold War. So I'd just go down. There was never there was never a path. I just kind of jumped from thing to thing to thing. It was never I was never taking classes. It was never like I got to become well read on this. I just kind of jumped where I wanted to. And I didn't start to realize that I had somewhat of an understanding of of a very loose understanding of history until people like yourself kind of started pointing it out on the podcast. So I was like, Oh, so then I would just find books on audible that I liked and I would just email the authors and be like, Hey, do you want to come on? And to me, it wasn't even really about the podcast. I just wanted to talk to the author. The podcast was just a good excuse to do it. Right. It'd be creepy. Otherwise, Hey, I'm just some guy that likes your book. Do you want a video chat? Right. Yeah, there it is. And, um, I started doing that, man. And it's kind of, led me down these rabbit holes and um i think a lot of it has also it's set the precedent for if you read enough history you can start to see just how unabsurd conspiracies really are i mean a lot of conspiracies sure are are insane but there's a lot of things that Imagine it's 1947, you just came back from fighting in Europe and the Pacific front, and someone came up to you and said, hey, do you know the CIA, which was just created by Truman, brought over a bunch of Nazis, and they're going to build rockets so that JFK can have us land on the moon? They'd look at you and be like, what are you smoking, man? But that's what happened. So like, I look at things like that, that have always been, they're classified for decades. And then in hindsight, they turn out to be true. So when there are things going on right now that kind of get those spidey senses tingling, Hey man, I'm sure a lot of it's probably BS, but there's also probably stuff in there that is true that would melt your mind. And so I don't know if that answers your question. It's just interest, I guess. Yeah.
0: Well, let me ask this question. You interviewed uh, this gentleman by the name of Ken Alabek who lives now, and I think in Ohio, and he had described a uh, bioweapons program that was massive uh, called Biopreparat in the Soviet Union, the old Soviet Union, before it collapsed. We had followed him in our research and our channel uh, with all of these white Russian scientists, sort of like you said with the paperclip Nazis. This is the same thing with Jeff Epstein bringing in these white Russian scientists and seemingly putting them into American universities. And we're talking to hundreds and hundreds a sort of a Russian paperclip or a white Russian paperclip. As they all seemed to go through Ukraine first until they could get their papers and their visas. But uh, you interviewed Ken for quite a while, so t- can you kind of review that with everybody?
1: Yeah, so, uh, you know, yeah, Dr. Albic wrote the book Biohazard, which is about his time as the first deputy director of Biopreparat. He defected to the United States in 1992, and I think the details around that are still classified because it's, you know, sources and methods. Um, he came here to basically spill the beans on... That the Soviet Union was not holding up their end of the uh, the treaty or agreement that they wouldn't pursue that the United States and the Soviet Union wouldn't pursue uh, bio weapons because it was seen as like nuclear uh, uh, the nuclear arms race it was seen as a no win scenario and uh, the Soviet Union continued theirs and um, Doctor Albeck and for full disclosure everyone listening this isn't what he wanted to do he wanted to be a physician but living in the Soviet Union you get told what you're going to do. And you don't ask any questions and, you know, unless you want everyone, you know, and love to end up in the gulag. So he went along with it. And, um, yeah, he said that they were fed kind of the propaganda. If we don't do this, the Americans will. And, uh, after I guess meeting contacts in the United States and really starting to sort of flesh out what was going on, he realized that, that the Soviets really were doing this thing that he didn't believe the United States was doing. And it was a, you know, a crisis of conscience and, um, said he just had to get out. It's never what he wanted to do. His, his youngest daughter has autism. He, he finds his passion in trying to find any sort of cure or therapy for autism. We've done eight, eight episodes together. Seven are about autism. It's, you can tell that's where his passion is. He never wanted to you know, create weapons. He, I mean, they talked about putting Marburg in the nose cones of ICBMs. I mean, real, real James Bond supervillain stuff. And um, he's just the sweetest man in the world. And uh, it's heartbreaking hearing about this guy that wants to become a doctor and take the Hippocratic Oath. And now, you know, basically at gunpoint, it's like, hey, you're going to research these weapons. And, um, yeah, that was an insane interview.
0: And, uh, yeah. Yeah, and I know you were a – you had gotten accepted to med school and at the last minute kind of decided that that's not what you wanted to do. Uh, But you had really outstanding grades in Georgia in, in your undergrad and had good MCATs. Uh, So you probably identified with them a little bit. Now, let's just talk a little bit about the program. There was a couple of people that were identified. One was Robert Maxwell, who worked a lot with the Russian scientists, especially the the Jewish ones, and placed them in in the weapons program in South Africa and weapons program in Israel. Um, A lot of the bioweapons folks anyway. um, We ended up in Ukraine. Some of them came into the United States in different uh, universities uh, we we focus on, in our series, two guys named Fruman and Parnas, who seemed to be bringing in 12 scientists at a time. These scientists were going all around the United States, leaving toxic cloud trails everywhere they went. So that was an interesting whole thing. And, we, and I really felt like we missed the essence of Jeff Epstein and the State Department running this program because the State Department seemed to be bringing biopreparat in. And bringing the scientists in, maybe that's to prevent these things from being uh, released. Maybe it's to develop the vaccines. But it seemed like there was one guy named Michael Callahan, who was the DARPA guy who was in charge of controlled release of these things. And then you interviewed Dr. Robert Malone, who seemed to be at uh, this Fort Belvoir, who was developing the vaccines on the fly through this program called USA PREDICT. So could you talk a little bit about what, what you talked about with Dr. Malone in your interview? And have you ever interviewed the, the Michael Callahan guy?
1: No, I'd, I'd, I'd never heard of Callahan. I, I, would, I would like to interview him. Uh, real quick to go back to what you were saying is, um, yeah, you know, you, you want to you, you wanna think that—so like Operation Paperclip. Right now I'm listening to a book called Poisoner in Chief about Sidney Gottlieb. And they're kind of—they're going through and explaining Operation Paperclip early on, which I, I, I've read about extensively— but you had a bunch of a bunch of generals after and intelligence officials after World War II, saying, uh, you know, we had a bunch of guys, rightfully so, kind of pearl clutching going, we're not bringing Nazis over here. We, we got to hang them. And sure, that's, that's what you want to do. But then there's also this sort of cold emotion, emotionless, you remove yourself and be like, hey, World War II just ended. Eighty five million people dead. It's now less than the Soviet Union. It's a matter of time before they get the bomb. We have to get these scientists, if only to know that we have them, and thus we know they're not over there. So from one point, they're saying that's our justification. And if we're going to bring them over here so the Soviets can't get them, let's get the most out. I mean, game theory, let's get the most out of it. Let's not throw them in a cell. Let's extract their knowledge. And right. And then obviously it wasn't just paperclip. We also brought over a bunch of scientists from Unit 731 in Manchuria. Which I don't think we brought over Shiro Ishii, but we brought over his top guys. So when you look at that, you and obviously, I mean, I'm biased as the flag is behind me. I'm biased to think we're doing it because, you know, we are the leader of the free world and that's what the United States stand for. And as reading all these Cold War stuff, I'm very aware of the dark things that our country has done and is still doing. Now, what you said about bioweapons, you know, I, I don't think that I could 100 percent say that we're not doing that. I mean, the idea that we wouldn't be doing it and only the Soviets, maybe we weren't. Who knows? Maybe we really were the little angels. I just don't see that because, you know, Enrico Fermi said that the hydrogen bomb was an evil thing. Said it was a thousand times stronger than the A-bomb. But when he and several other scientists went to meet with Truman about it, the meeting only lasted, I think it was seven minutes or 11 minutes. But Truman eventually kind of cut through everything. And he goes, how long until the Soviet Union can do it? They were like, you know, five years. He said, okay, well, we have to do. It. Kind of the same logic of if we bring the paperclip scientists here. We know the Soviets don't have them. We need to build this thermonuclear evil thing, just truly an Armageddon device. I mean, I don't think people truly appreciate the difference between A-bombs and H-bombs. But so when I look at that, the idea that we, don't, we didn't pursue our own bioweapons program to me, it just—it doesn't. It's not even really a conspiracy. It just doesn't jive with what we just did. We brought them over to get the rockets, so the Soviets couldn't. We built the H bomb so that we had them before the Soviets did. And now all of a sudden, and we go to the moon because the Soviets launched a uh, Yuri Gagarin, whatever the hell his name was, into space. Gagarin. Bioweapons come along, and all of a sudden we go, uh-uh. I I don't really believe that. I have nothing to back it up. You know. Dr. Albeck said that we don't have a program, and that's why he came to the US. I can only trust the guy that knows about it, but my gut feeling says that we probably do have a bioweapons program. Now, to circle to what you said about Dr. Malone, uh, my first episode with him was episode 495, and that was two hours of him explaining the mRNA vaccine to me. And that conversation, for the most part, went over my head. It was wildly beyond my understanding of anything. Uh, he came on several more times. He came on with a Joe Kent, former Special Forces Commando, who's running uh, running for Congress out of Washington State's 3rd or 8th, whatever, congressional district. Uh, he came on to talk about potential mandates. Uh, Dr. Malone came on a third time with um, Dr. Uh, Aditi Bargava, who's the head of mRNA research at UCSF. And then he came on a fourth time with Dr. McCullough, and then a fifth time with Dr. McCullough and uh, Dr. Matias Desmet, who... The mass formation psychosis. The reason I mention all those is really never did we touch on bioweapons. So I can't really speak on that about Dr. Malone without, without just speculating wildly. I have interviewed Dr. Uh, Stephen Hatfield, who wrote the book Three Seconds Till Midnight right before COVID 19. I've had on Dr. Meryl Nass, who uh, was involved with researching anthrax use in I think, South Africa. For Dr. Malone, I, I just, I can't speak on it because that's not what he and I have spoken about, if that makes sense. I don't know if that answers your question or if it's just me rambling.
0: No, no, no. Yeah, was a good answer. Um, you, you've really had a great uh, tour de force of all these people that would be in and around a bioweapons program. And I'm sure that the thing would be uh, compartmentalized in such a way that not everyone would know about it. I'm sure we wouldn't tell can't all back everything that we're doing in bioweapons, and uh, if you look at the gain of function work that's done in Ralph Barrick's lab or at the University of Texas Medical Branch, it seems pretty, uh, pretty divided up, pretty compartmentalized between the twelve universities that Rand Paul talked about uh, with Dr. Fauci as doing the gain of function work. So, uh, and there's probably places overseas that we don't know about either. So. But I do like the fact that you've had him on five times, which is which is a lot. I need to go back and, uh, you know, uh, take some highlights out of there and 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 get some questions. Uh, But uh, what's your overall impression of dealing with him? Uh, A lot of people, uh, he kind of looks like the world's most interesting man from the (laughs) Dos Equis commercials. (laughs) And uh, so it's he he talks about having CIA contacts. He talks about uh, all the intelligence contacts he has. He always seems to be right there where this his counterpart, Michael Callahan, always seems to be the guy in Havana. And he's always the guy back at the back office, you know, like Q and Bond, you know, developing. Oh, we got to do a vaccine now on January 4th. And they seem to know about the coronavirus with Wuhan, uh, Callahan and Wuhan at the outbreak and him getting his vaccine team spun up. On January fourth, before the president seems to know about it. Mm -hmm. So, your general impressions?
1: My general impression. So again, I can only speak from the roughly five hours I've spoken. Not even. I think the two of the episodes were like thirty minutes. So, roughly, I don't know, three hours I've spoken to him. So I can only, you know, I can only conclude from that. I've, you know, I've interviewed Charlie Duke three times. Who's the tenth man to walk on the moon? That doesn't mean that I understand uh, classified weapon systems in space. Not, not saying that that's what you're insinuating. So what I can talk about with Dr. Malone and my impressions with him are from early on, I think in the first five minutes of our first interview, I started talking about censorship and how this is, how censorship, oh, you know, it's like, when, uh, it's like what Alan Watts said about uh, like an acorn or something. It's like you plant it and in due time there will be a tree. It might take a century, but it does happen. And for me, censorship, it's not always overnight. Sometimes it takes decades. Sometimes it only takes a couple years. But censorship and disarmament are always the first steps to genocide. And I started kind of saying this in the first five minutes that I was talking to him. I had to catch myself and I was like I was like, damn it, I'm already just like speculating about like a US genocide, and I was just like, This guy probably thinks I'm crazy. So I was like, but that's beyond the scope of what we're talking about. And he said, no, it's not. It's not at all. And he went on to expound on that, on how this is more than just medicine. This is more than just viruses, that this is an attack on what freedom is and that this is we're walking down the same roads. You know, I'll just have one beer tonight. Well, don't be surprised when in a year you're a crippling alcoholic. Right. And I, hey, I'm not against beer. I love beer. But to me, that's the first thing that stuck out to me was that I realized I was going down this, you know, rah-rah America. We got to fight these uh, these e- evil, power-hungry uh, tyrants. And I diverted it away, and he immediately brought it right back and said, no, that is the case. So that was very impressive to me. What I had seen in the subsequent four episodes over the months was a guy that— Slowly went from very specifically, like, let's stick to what the technology is, the glycoproteins and the amino acids and the, and the, you know, things that are all wildly over my head. To a guy who slowly became more political about censorship. To a guy that said there's something so much bigger than this. To a guy that started to entertain things like the Trusted News Initiative or uh, the SPARS uh, conference. Or, um, you know, the, the direct influence that Fauci and the NIH have on these vaccines and the flow of money. And to me, that's—and I'm not sure if this is the answer you wanted, but it is my answer—it has made me even more of a fan of him. A guy that—I mean, really, I mean, like he said on Joe Rogan just a couple of weeks ago, he's like, I have, you know, I'm married to my high school sweetheart. I'm financially set. I have beautiful kids and I have beautiful grandkids. There's nothing in it for me to do this. And those are my thoughts on him. Um, Again, who knows? Maybe I'm being duped. I don't know. You know, maybe Dr. Alabek's still working for the Russians. I don't know that. I can only speak on the guy that I've talked to. and We chat for a couple minutes without recording. It seems like a guy like Joe Rogan, the fear factor guy, who is now, like him or not, is pushing for and doing more for free speech than anyone else. That's really all I can say is I like what I see and I like what I've interacted with. And that's, again, those are based on my interactions with him. That's And that's all I can speak of. I don't know if that was the answer you want. Perhaps not as sexy as you wanted. It's what it is. You know, I've interviewed Delta Force guys. I've interviewed CIA Special Activities Division guys. I've interviewed, you know... Charlie Duke said there weren't any aliens on the moon. You know, that was a big letdown for me. I was hoping he would spill the beans, and then we would both be killed by a Hellfire missile. But that's my answer on that. I don't know if that's what you wanted, but it's it's what my answer is.
0: Well, I, I want candid answers, and <laughs> I, I'm, I'm glad that you, uh, you had a good impression of him. And I think everybody goes down these paths where um, – You know, there's these limited hangouts where I call them school plays sometimes where um, it's like when you get to know any subject, your natural inclination is to go in the direction that, that they want you to go. Like we all believed in Santa Claus at one time and then only grudgingly did we give up that notion that he's actually not, you know, going down the chimney and we want the presence to keep showing up. Yeah. So there's you fight it, you resist it. So what I try to do in my stuff is just bring out the connections. Hey, when Zika was breaking out, we had the guy who was, you know, seemingly always where the breakouts are, Michael Callahan. And we, and then we had the guy in Malone over at Fort Belvoir in Virginia with the vaccine team, you know, to come up with a quick vaccine. And it just seems to be the same pattern now with coronavirus. And it was a similar pattern with other viruses and, uh, I, I do see gain of function work with the K- K- uh, Callahan guy. Uh, that Malone is involved, uh, at least from what I've seen in his background, all along the way. All these key parts uh, to uh, getting as much uptake as possible in the in the life of a normal person. For instance, he has a lot of connections with uh, the Tobacco Institute. He got a lot of money for Tobacco Institute. Uh, his wife also got, did a bunch of studies for CBD and vaping. She's in the psychology uh, area. Uh, he had also uh, tried to work on vaping uh, vaccines. Uh, one of his partners is the Vapor Bar. Right? He doesn't really bring that out much, but uh, if you go back to Vicel, when he worked there with this guy named uh, uh, Phil Fellner, uh, they were really trying to uh, figure out how to take a negatively charged uh, thing that couldn't penetrate into a cell, which was negatively charged. We're gonna we would coat it with a, pr- a positively charged mm-hmm. glycoprotein, and that would be the candy sort of that you would give to the you know you are trying to get a dog yeah. to eat a pill that it it doesn't want to eat. Yeah, uh, that was that whole glycoprotein technology. But he, at, at every point along the way in his career, he always seems to be the guy who is pushing the, uh, well, you said American genocide thing. I don't, I don't necessarily think it's American genocide, but I do think it's American, uh, low intensity sort of warfare. Like let's speed up aging. Yeah. Let's speed up, uh, you know, uh, mutations. Let's speed up this, um, uh, the mutations that cause problems. And not just in with coronavirus, but just across the board. I saw that Zero Hedge had an article out where the deaths, death rates were up forty percent. Yeah, if you if you had a um, like a a cataclysmic event, a one in every two hundred year event, that would only increase the death rate ten percent.
1: Yeah, I saw
0: that. So how does this happen to go forty percent? We might be living in a thing where I don't know if you familiar with this chimeric mutator protein, but if it's in the adjuvant or somehow in the mRNA and that gets into our, our DNA, uh, it'll just start mutating at random. It's sort of almost like what they did with uh, the Human Genome Project where they were doing uh, shotgun uh, sequencing. This is almost like shotgun testing. Just It'll introduce uh, mutations throughout your whole DNA, and then we'll see if it's junk or not by what happens to you that's bad and the, the nazis sort of did the same thing with the jews they took all these things from world war one bioweapons that they were developing for horses and animals and then just put them in humans and and now it seems like that same kind of shotgun testing and same kind of like a it's like putting a random number generator in your computer program just to see what happens
1: yeah, yeah.
0: you know so um it's like your thoughts on that
1: it's like buying a deck of Pokemon cards and just hoping you get something good in there and not a bunch of shit, right? Sometimes you get Charizard. Sometimes it's just a bunch of stuff you don't even know what it is. Um, yeah, so I guess my – and just to clarify, the the American Genocide thing I said is that was me talking about how that's how censorship always leads. And oh, so yeah. that's what I meant by not not to say that anyone I know is involved in American – I would hope they're not involved in American Genocide but rather that's where censorship leads, right? You have censorship in China. Now you got 2 million Uyghur Muslims in concentration camps. I can only imagine it's a matter of time before. It always goes the same way. It always ends up just removing these people. Um, now to what you said about his presence around them, again, I can only speculate wildly. I look at something like the F-117 Nighthawk, the first, the first truly stealth aircraft. The SR-71 had some stealth features, 20 years prior the f-117 nighthawk the hopeless diamond the really ugly boxy darth vader mask looking thing it's a great book about it called skunkworks by ben rich who is the ceo of skunk works which is sort of the special division of lockheed martin um looks like they want to kill off i'm reading that now i don't know who that is but um so with the f-117 man i'm i'm is this like live chatting? Sorry, I don't do live episodes. No, I'm just yeah, yeah, be... this
0: is live chatting. Oh, that's if cool.
1: That's cool. Yeah. Um, I didn't know what it was. Jesse
0: Hall is one of our friends that we podcast with. Awesome. And he's from uh, Edmonton, Canada. Awesome.
1: So with the F-117 Nighthawk, it was a special access program, which is, you know, the first special access program in the United States was the Manhattan Project. It's just up and it's a level above classification, right? It's for something that's truly special. This was a special access program because what the Soviets had was they always had a good radar system and strong surface-to-air missiles. And I am, I am getting to your, your question. Don't worry about it. Take your time. So with the F-117, it was highly classified, right? Casper uh, Weinberger, the Secretary of Defense under Reagan, actually oversaw our potential use of it to do a strike on Gaddafi, And they ultimately decided not to use it, but to use n- sort of normal Fighter fighter jets to go uh, carry out this strike, at the risk of it not working and scaring Gaddafi and spooking him and knowing he would go into hiding because we didn't want the Soviets to know that we had a stealth aircraft. So even when we had this perfected weapon, they said don't use it, and it ended up not working. We didn't get Gaddafi right. So let's just that's laying out the importance of a special access program. I have interviewed uh, a United States Air Force retired. Base historian at, I think, Holloman, which is where the F-117 was located. So this guy knew all about it. His name is David Libby. I had him on summer 2020, so I don't know, early 100s, mid-100s episodes. And we talked everything about the F-117, and he was telling me a bunch of cool factoids and everything. And I was like, oh, this is so badass. Like a month after that, uh, there was was uh, like an article came out, I think in Jane's or one of the Air Force— you know, magazines or publications. And it was that, and to understand the importance of this, it's that the F-117 actually did have space for an air-to-air missile. Remember, this is a bomber. They called it a, they called it the F-117 because they had to call it fighter. It was a whole psychology thing. They knew they wouldn't get the fighter jet pilots because they're all jocks, so they just had to put an F in front of it. Again, kind of like the medicine with the dog. That's the only way they got him, because none of these self-respecting Top Gun guys were going to fly a bomber or, God forbid, an attack airplane. So they put F, even though it didn't fight. It had no room. It had no room. This was a very it had very limited. It didn't need a whole lot because it was stealth. That was its weapon. So it came out in, like, summer 2020 that it did have air-to-air missile capabilities. So I had on the historian again, and he was blown away. He was like, Tommy, I've been involved with documenting the history of this, of this Air Force base. I never knew about this. I never knew a goddamn thing about this. Excuse my French. And that always stuck with me, that a guy who was a base historian never knew about that until it was published in 2020. So a long answer to your question, using the F-117 to get my point across, is things like a limited hangout doesn't necessarily involve or imply being read in to the big picture again the book i'm reading right now poisoner in chief about Sidney gottlieb they talk about fort dietrich and then something called a SO, sod a special operations department which they, they described as the dietrich within dietrich no one knew what was going on except a very select few a lot of people were working on things for it and they didn't even know that they were working on things for it right highly compartmentalized so although there may be all of these connections, again from history, like the bioweapons and the H bomb, and we can't let the Soviets have it, and then all of a sudden we're we're above doing bioweapons, I can't help but look at my own personal experiences with a historian not knowing a thing about this and have it kind of verify for me that just because you're involved with it does by no means mean you're read in. I mean I've had on former CIA guys on this podcast. I can only imagine years or decades down the road, I'll find out one of them was my handler. And I'll laugh hysterically because I had no goddamn idea. And I would love to know. It would be cool. I don't know if that answers your question. I know it was a very long-winded answer. But from my own experiences, I've seen that just because you're involved doesn't mean you're involved. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. So uh, we have, uh, I, I know, a very devout religious uh, component to uh, our audience. Excuse me. I Tommy excuse uh, apologizes I in do. advance for the use of GD because he only uses it when he's talking about I, I, hey, uh, I'm, a very moved by or impressed by. So I'll just go ahead and I say that. I do apologize for your audience. I'm I'm sorry. I... No, no, it's okay. I just – some people are very, very sensitive to that. Oh, sure. Right? sure. Um, I I'm with you. I've been, I've hit my uh, thumb with a hammer before, and it's awfully hard not to say
1: that. (laughs) It's well, I was searching for the right word to say, and I was like, I, I've been, I've genuinely been trying to use the f bomb less. So I was like, that's like a diet f bomb. But
0: apparently, (laughs) apparently I'm I'm damned if I do, damned if I don't. There you go. You could say jeepers. G- uh, g- <laughs> golly jeepers. <laughs> Gee whiz, B. Gee whiz. But, okay, so I I, uh, I think the F-117 is a great example of a secure, uh, specialized access program. And we did a lot of work with that whole program of Q-level clearances mm-hmm. and how the Department of Energy had these Q-level clearances. And sometimes they seem to be running these Q-psyops in order to cover the fact that There are these Q-level programs, and there are these uh, uh, there are these SAPs, and two two uh, versions of SAPs. One's called a waived SAP, and then there's a waived unacknowledged SAP. This is Congress giving the approval of only eight people, the gang of eight four from the Congress, uh, four from the House, and four from the Senate. And then unacknowledged is you didn't have to acknowledge it to the president or. As people drop away from the uh, intelligence communities, you have to read in the new people to the program, which is, uh, uh, you know, you could end up being, you just have Dianne Feinstein, uh, Nancy Pelosi, and Adam Schiff as your only people who know about some of these programs. That's why I think this is done through Ukraine. Uh, Ukraine had, uh, through this program uh, called PREDICT, uh, Ukraine had I think something like 13 or 14 old bioweapons labs from the old Soviet Union so you wouldn't even need to move anybody uh, you would just keep them in place and just you like you say you just need a couple of handlers and you're good to go I mean there's a few things that needed would need to move like the fermenters that were in uh, Semi-Politansk and a couple of these uh, Kazaki uh, you know, remote reaches but uh, again, a lot of those places uh, are under the control of the Mark Riches and the State Department after the fall of the Soviet Union. So Georgia is another one. So you wouldn't even really, the only thing you'd really need to locate, relocate is the stuff that was in Siberia, that was in Ru- uh, Russia proper. And they pretty much did that in Ukraine. So it's like you'd have to be really into the Schiff-Pelosi inner circle to know all about this, and it seems like they keep going to the Congress for money for Ukraine again, like an ATM machine. Anytime they need money, they just say Ukraine's about ready to be invaded by Putin. So, your perspective on that?
1: Well, we well we've lost our Iraq Afghanistan excuse, which was a solid excuse for twenty years, right? We we have to have it. It's there's terrorists. We just have to have it, right? And that was we had forty five years of Soviets. We need money. What's it for? Shut up, Soviets. All right. Yeah, I think about. uh, I think about. I think about how Harry Truman was president for I think six days before he was read in, to the Manhattan Project. And to me, that blows my mind more than anything. He was involved with tracking uh, fraud, waste, and abuse during World War II because it's you know we were spending an unheard of percentage of our GDP on weapons, and he actually started to kind of track down this enormous use of power in Tennessee. And they weren't producing anything. They weren't making P-51s. They weren't making tanks. They weren't making bullets. And he kind of sent it up the flagpole. And he was approached by, I believe, General Leslie Groves, who was in charge of the Manhattan Project, or Vannevar Bush. But Leslie Groves was, like, he was one of the three guys. It was him, Vannevar, and FDR. They all knew the big picture. And obviously, you have the scientists at the Manhattan Project. But they were literally fenced in in their own area. But that's a side tangent. Truman started hounding this stuff down. And when he ran it up to the flagpole, he was finally approached by Leslie Groves, who told him, hey, you've done a great job. You've done some great investigative work. Knock it off. This is something way bigger. And they called it, I think, Project S. And he said, My, I am one of three people in the world that know about it. And it wasn't until Truman was president for, I want to say six days, it might have been three days, till he was read in on this. So in terms of what you're talking about, a waived special access program or an unacknowledged special access program. Yeah, man. If you can whittle down that circle more and more and more and more, and no one even knows that they're in it, and they don't know what they don't know, you know, like Donald Rumsfeld, unknown unknowns. Yeah, that's where, that's where evil can kind of run amok. And if you're just classified, Ukraine, what's anyone gonna do about that? And it's all so shady. We mean, it's 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 grown the 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 military industrial sort of deep state national security complex has grown so wildly since 911 man i don't know how you track down anything i have no idea and that's what i would say is probably something along those lines going on is who knows is it the f117 the air to air missile is it is it the atomic bomb is there something so high up and so compartmentalized I mean, you can only begin to speculate. But at the same time, you have to be careful because once you set that stage of saying it's so classified and so it's so, you know, concentrated, that also turns into a blank check to say it can be whatever you want. It's UFOs. You wouldn't know. It's so concentrated, right? It's they've they've discovered nuclear fusion. It's so you can start to use it as a blank check to do anything you want. I don't know if that answers at all what you were asking. I don't really have
0: an answer on Ukraine. I don't know enough about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Give us an idea, take a break a little bit on the biopreparat coming to uh, or being moved by uh, Bob Maxwell and Jeff Epstein and and uh, and maybe uh, Ghislaine Maxwell. Um, Give us just an idea of of, uh, some of the people like David Martin or some of the CIA folks or the other people from the uh, intelligence community that you might have. Uh, interviewed special ops, special forces folks that we might not know, uh, and familiarize yourself with uh, your work. What,
1: what exactly are you asking?
0: Uh, just uh, names of uh, people we might know of that uh, you, you've also interviewed, like beck and so forth.
1: I'm trying to think. I mean, Who or the CIA
0: people
1: that you've interviewed uh claire lopez uh kent clisby who wrote the book willing accomplices all about you know soviet Union active measures in the united states um and then i've interviewed two operators who worked within the cia special activities division i've had them on several times but that's (coughs) that's literally ground branch um i would have met and obviously malone had contacts with the cia that's about the limitation of what I know, of what what I know. I mean, I would love to imagine that I've probably interviewed a lot more CIA people than I know of. That's kind of the limitations I have on that knowledge. Um, in terms of, and then what were you asking about,
0: Ghislaine and, and Epstein? Well, I was just saying we take a little bit of a break. Oh, sh- but oh okay. But... but but now that we're back on that topic, you saw the coverage of you saw the coverage of, of Jeff Epstein or or the Glenn Maxwell trial. I kept waiting for the CIA tail numbers, you know, and the core tail numbers, and the yeah. virus vaccine uh, goings on, and where he was shuttling these scientists around to to uh, Little Saint James. I kept waiting for the this to blow the top off the Russian. Oh, okay. Bio at, oh, you know, being on. spread you, out by you knew Maxwell, you uh, knew and none of that was going and, and him uh, through, uh, <laughs> however they were doing it, and it never got there. It always seems to be what kind of underwear, uh, Glenn Maxwell wore 30 years ago, and I'm not sure I even want to know that.
1: No, that's uh, no, that's disgusting. Yeah, no, I mean, come on, there was no way they were going to flush that. The Warren Commission wasn't going to go, hey, you know what? We have reason to believe the CIA blew JFK's head off. No, they come back and they go. Yeah, it's Lee Harvey. Shut up! Stop asking questions, right? I mean, the 9/11 Commission, you know, from the get-go, said this thing is set up to fail, and we still don't know about the 17 redacted pages about our involvement with the Saudi government. I mean, it gets a it gets a little hairy. I don't think we are actually going to see anything with that. With Glain and Epstein, though, pure evil. I mean, man, what a more could there be a more effective use of force in that you know world war Two is we need we just need ships and and planes and tanks and men and war of attrition we'll send a million men if we have to right and then you get the a bomb and all of a sudden you can do a more tactical approach and then you get to say i don't know like desert storm and all of a sudden, we have these GPS bombs, we have these JDAMs, we have satellite technology and the National Reconnaissance Office, the NRO, the National Geospatial Office, um, and we get more and more uh, specialized. We don't waste, kind of like the shotgun approach with the research, Research, we stop doing the shotgun approach and we start using a sniper rifle. We start seeing exactly what we need to see, Right. And then you look at the drone war now in, you know, in Yemen and all over South Africa and, I guess, West Africa or East Af- Africa, the drone wars we're doing right now. I mean, you have the Secretary of the Air Force saying years ago in Popular Mechanics to lose the notion that the next fighter jet is necessarily going to be better than the previous fighter jet. It might get to a point where one day there's just a button we push and we send a signal out over the airwaves and every plane in the sky, every plane in the sky falls to Earth doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a, uh, a traditional fighter jet what I'm saying is is we're getting better and better will Arkin will Arkin talks about this the author I've interviewed him several times he talks about this in his book uh, unmanned as well as his book about the generals having no clothes how we're getting better and better at removing all the other all the excess people and how one person now has the force projection of what used to be 50,000 right a single, MQ9 Reaper or MQ1 or whatever it's called, the Predator, with all of its you know look down guess, intelligence gathering capabilities. Another great book, Gorgon Stare, which will melt your brain and terrify you. Was actually kind of saw a little bit of it in the Rittenhouse trial about the FBI having. But I'm going off into the weeds. The point I'm getting at is, it seems that whatever it is, whether it's us or China or the Mossad, we're getting better and better at more specified application of pressure to control more things. We don't need to match the Soviets' tank columns when we have tactical A-bombs. And that was how we could kind of hold them at bay. So when I look at Ghislaine and Epstein, though evil, man, if you could compromise whoever you wanted on an island, and I've had on uh, Dr. Barry Levine, author of The Spider, all about Epstein, and that's what we talk about is in the rarefied air of not me and George with our respective podcasts, not even you know huge companies like Apple and Microsoft. But I mean, you get into the rarefied air of global hegemony. I mean, the tippy top of what you'd call the deep state, China versus Russia versus the United States versus Israel, where nothing is off the table. The only reason we never use nukes is because the other guys had nukes. You know, When no one else had nukes, we were not afraid to use them. When you look at that, there's no way they would take that off the table of using these two pedophiles to compromise any individual you wanted. Why invade a country if you could just compromise a leader and say, hey, we're going to do this and you're not going to say anything about it? OK, got it. Why say, why try to bully a scientist into, say, a bioweapons program? Would you just compromise them and say, you're just going to do this? You did not even need to read them in. Or you can read a minute. It doesn't matter. If you say anything, you know, we're going to crucify you in the media or like Epstein, literally kill you. Man, I think we stumbled. I think it's like archaeology. I think with Epstein and Ghislaine, what we're seeing is like the archaeologist brush and it's uncovering like one tooth on a T-Rex And unlike archaeology, where we get to uncover the whole thing, and then this implies, oh, wow, these monsters once roamed the earth, and this now changes our view of history, we're uncovering one tooth, and then the media, the intelligence agencies are going, that's enough, it's just a tooth. You're going, what do you mean it's just a tooth? It's this big. This thing weighs five pounds. I mean, we're just... And then the guy that talks about finding the tooth ends up dead, hanging from his own cell, right? And you go, he just killed himself. That's it. And then there's a second person, Ghislaine. And she's going, I found a claw. We're going, it's the T-Rex again. And they're going, shut up. No, it's not. Here's the color of her underwear. But man, anyone with a brain is going, what is that, that T-Rex, right? And if you speculate, you're a conspiracy theorist. But it seems like using them as a blackmail operation to compromise anyone you want, it seems like it's the natural progression of force projection from waves of men, a war of attrition, to J-dams, to drones, to now it's just, you just got to compromise a couple people. What if you could compromise the people in the unacknowledged special access programs? They're now compromised on a thing that no one else even knows about. Man, it's, it's evil, but it's brilliant. And I don't know. If, I don't even know if you asked the question or if I just rambled there. But
0: uh. <laughs> no, that's great. Uh, so I, I attended this trial recently uh, with the Charles Lieber trial. He was big into the nanotechnology, and he was big into this. Uh, there's the St- uh, State Department tail number for Jeff Epstein and Dyncorp. This Dyncorp company we've been talking about for five or six years now about how they seem to always be spraying the new virus as soon as they come up with a new vaccine but we'll get back to the virus vaccine game with Dankhorn in a second. But uh, I I did want to talk about um, uh, just how uh, the the whole Epstein thing uh, just seems like no one pushes back. No one's... You've described it very well. We all know there's a T-Rex there. Uh, It's, you know, in order to have a tooth that big, it's got to be there. Uh, And yet... It, it seems so obvious that there's a bioweapons program. You, we outlined some things with state department people and, and we show that there is state support and yet conspiracy theorist, you know, you're a conspiracy theorist.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think I said that right after Epstein died. I think I said it on my podcast. I, I don't know. They all blur together, but I was like, man, like you want to, you want to talk about true power like true naked power. I mean, whack in JFK is one thing, right? But everyone was like, who did it? You know, we still talk about it. Was it the CIA? Was it, you know, was it the Soviets? Was it the mafia? Was it Lee Harvey? Was it whatever? But with Epstein, right? I mean, Epstein died. He has his little black book flying with everyone from Trump to Clinton to all these CEOs. Everyone knows about it and then he dies in his prison cell. And then no one in the media even, I mean, right, we had the trending meme, Epstein didn't kill himself, but no one even talked about it. It's like, I think the analogy I used was like, um, it'd be like if you walked in a Thanksgiving dinner and all your family's there, all the cousins, maybe some friends of family, whatever. Raw power would be you go in and you just you stab someone right in the chest, and they just drop dead on the floor, and everyone goes, "Oh, oh, oh my God!" You know, "Holy crap!" But you go, "Hey, we're not going to talk about this." We're not, and everyone's going, "Do you think that was Tommy? Do you think that was some? Do you think that was someone else? What was going on?" But they're sorry. There's still some discussion about it. True, insane, Epstein assassination level raw power is when you walk into Thanksgiving dinner. You shank someone, everyone looks at it, and then they go back to the polite conversation, and no one says a word. And you have a couple people in there that are going, are we not going to talk about this? And they quickly get shut up. But you go and have dinner, and then you have some beers, and you're all watching the football game. Meanwhile, there's just a corpse bleeding out on the kitchen floor, and no (laughs) one talks about it. No one talks about it. It's one thing if I do it and then everyone just respects me as, hey, that's the mob boss, right? That's the big guy in prison. But when you just shank someone and everyone just, just step over the body to use the restroom and no one says a word. And years later, if you bring it up, like, you guys remember when Tommy, like, just slaughtered our uncle on Thanksgiving and everyone goes <laughs> conspiracy theorist. That's what happens. But I, my only guess can be is it's such unimaginable power the forces behind them that did that it's I, I don't know it just everyone knows it's there but I guess it's cost-benefit analysis you know a, a guy like you or me we're just kind of doing our thing and you're looking at this and you're going what am I going to get out of chasing this to where all of a sudden I get Michael Hastings then my car flies into a tree at 140 miles an hour or I get Epstein eventually you go There is a T-Rex. There was a tooth and a claw. All right. I mean, I mean, eventually you get to that point. You're like, what am I going to do? What is, how does it even affect me? I'm not, I'm not the CEO of Goldman Sachs. No one's applying pressure to me. You know, if they want to talk to me, they can just email me. You know, (laughs) you can come on my podcast. I'm not going to, you don't need to find me in an alley. We can do an episode together. It's, Mm -hmm. that's what it seems like it is. It's just the rawest. And it might even be like you said about Santa Claus. Maybe you don't even want to know. Maybe there's a part of you that maybe you look at something like 9-11 and Operation Vigilant Guardian, or you look at the Gulf of Tonkin, or you look at the head of CIA counterintelligence, James Jesus Angleton, opening up a file on Oswald four years before JFK was killed. And then when later asked about did the agency whack Jack, he said, the agency is a large mansion, and I have not been in all the rooms. And it's like, what what kind of answer is that from the head of CIA... (laughs) You almost, you know, why did we put all the old, uh, uh, all the old destroyers next to each other, right in Pearl Harbor, right after we put oil tariffs or an oil embargo in Japan? Part of your mind almost doesn't want to know. You just, Santa's real. I don't care if I saw my dad putting the presents. Santa's real, because what do you get from that revelation of your own government carried out Pearl Harbor? or the Gulf Tonkin or nine eleven, would it you know at a certain point it's the cost benefit and, and I'm not a fan of that. I'm not saying put your head in the sand, right? You get you got to stare at it in the face, but it might be that you don't want to know. Why would you want to know? How does it change your life if you're just playing fantasy football and going and eating Buffalo Wild Wings? What? How does that help? And I'm again I'm not defending that stance. I don't think we should know. I don't know. Speaking of which, the real mRNA is also dead.
0: Oh, that's Hussatonik. That's Mark Krulink. Uh Yeah, I think there's a gentleman by the name of John Wolf with two F's that uh, was the real inventor of mRNA and, um, and Bob Malone never mentions him. There's this karaoke gal or karaoke or karaoke or I can't remember exactly what her name is, but she's starting to get some partial credit now, but Really, Wolf was the one, um, and I noticed this with his his companies, and I don't I don't want to jeopardize your good relationship with him and your interviews with him, but he did have this relationship at ViCal with this fellner and and again, he says, "Oh, uh, you know we had a falling out, and I wanted to get more credit and so I left and then there's this uh, Inder Verma or Verma. Uh, that he says he had PTSD from because he worked under this person. But but that person also had key mRNA uh, technology, uh, like the glycoproteins, I think, um, and, and had done some key work there. So uh, it's not, it, you really have to work. Like you said, you have to really work to get to that knowledge. And some people just want to go, you know, I just, I want to have somebody tell me that, I don't have to get my kids vaccinated. So all I need is just an expert who's been around a long time who says this isn't safe technology. This is experimental technology. And it's not uh, ready for prime time. And I'm the inventor of it. So therefore, you know, you don't have to do this. You know, if I don't want to get my kids vaccinated for school, I it's very compelling to say, I don't want to know any more about Bob Malone. He told me what I needed. He sure. gave me the permission slip I needed to go to the, to the principal or go to the teacher and say, I don't have to get my kids vaccinated. So that's, we tend to go beyond and then we learn things that we wish we didn't know. Sometimes I think Malone's going to be one of those uh, kind of characters uh, when it's all said and done. But let, let me do this, Tommy. Uh, I hugged the f- whole first hour asking you questions. If Let's f- flip roles now and let you be the interviewer and you ask me whatever I miss. You might not want to ask me any questions at all, but you go ahead.
1: Um, can I take like a 30-second break and go to the restroom?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you monologue? Uh, all right, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I can monologue. Well, everyone, I'm sorry I'm a little bit challenged today. I don't know... Uh, the technology uh, I'm putting in this little uh, headset for when I am not talking so I can hear Tommy's answers. So there's a, there's an echo. So we'll figure it out. But uh, I, I tell you what, I'm really impressed with, with Tommy is he's, he's a real go getter. This Eddie Ads had have that same kind of, um, you know, Hey, I want to call everybody and I'll keep emailing them. And I'm a young guy and I'm just going to get that interview. And, uh, I tend to go a lot more, uh, and visit places. I mean, I want to go where Bernie wise, we were last night, Andy and I, you know, I was telling him about, um, are we all good? Oh, you're good. I'm just saying you're, uh, listening to my computer. That's why it's like that stuff. Oh, okay. All right. Well, Andy's explaining that, um, I, uh, you know, just like going and saying, OK, there's I mean, that's a classic example where we went to Bernie Wisnett's um, uh, where they found the body. It's in between the Diplomat Hotel where Debbie Wasserman Schultz has been running all these, you know, white Russians in and out of the United States. Um, over here is Trump Hollywood uh, ho- a Hotel where the, all the white Russians got put in, uh, or at least some of them. Uh, again a lot of these scientists in this biopreparate program. And you know, the, the, it's just too it's just too compelling, like like Tommy was saying with the, the tooth of the, the Tyrannosaurus Rex. You're like, hey, wait a minute here. This body either has been put here to try to make Trump look like he killed Trump, but Trump doesn't know anything about the Russians that are in this building, that are, they're all preparat scientists. They don't know anything about that. Um, and uh, I think Andy's going to play my earlier uh, video here when Andy and I went over to Boca Raton uh, for these two guys who seem to be the middlemen for this whole program, which is this Fruman and Parnass guy. So, uh, Tommy, just hold on here. We're going to play a little video, I think. Okay, hello everyone. We're in Florida. We're going to be broadcasting a little bit later today than usual, about four o'clock. And of course, we're down here, uh, uh, near in between the two beaches uh, where we did a lot of reporting about four years ago. You may remember we were reporting about uh, uh, up, up this beach about Jeff Epstein and Epstein working with these two Ukrainian crime figures, Parnas and Fruman, Lev Parnas and Igor Fruman. You may also remember that there was a scheme that they used uh, for EB-5s. When they built one of these big uh, hotels, for every $500,000 they put in the real estate investment trust, they could get one EB-5 person into the country. And you may remember that we were looking at Trump Hollywood and the Diplomat Hotel and other hotels down at uh, Allendale Beach. So we're in between those two places. Boca Raton, where we are, was the beach uh, called the Maggot Mile that we just went by, where Pruman and Parnas uh, had an investment company for different NATO officials, NATO generals, uh, which, which was European trading. That uh, So there was a 20-year criminal history of uh, these guys, uh, Parnas and Pruman. One of them, Parnas threatened somebody with a 9mm to murder them. So these are are tough characters here. That's why we go right to their front yard. That's why we go right to their front yard to tell the story. But the big story that everyone missed was bringing in Bogacheva and and Krylova and these other Russians that appeared to be involved in the bioweapons program, the old bioweapons program of the Soviet Union. Why is Fruman and Parnas working for a, a billionaire named Igor Kolomoisky, a criminal billionaire, why are they bringing in these scientists From the old bioweapons program, the old biopreparat program. And we believe that it was for developing things that would potentially, uh, like uh, coronavirus, accelerate, potentially aging. Accelerating aging, I know how hard that is to believe, but this chimeric mutator protein could be doing exactly that, causing early cell death and uh, causing premature aging. If There you go, Tommy.
1: If interviewing Malone or interviewing Alabek doesn't kill me, being friends with you is going to kill me. One of my guests <laughs> is going to result in me being dead. And uh I suppose I suppose at this point it's fate. Um uh so <clears throat> you know One thing I think about One thing I think about is how, you know, I interviewed Stephen Hatfield, Dr. Stephen Hatfield, who was wrongly accused of being uh, behind the anthrax attacks in 2001. I mean, I'm pretty sure he he sued the government to to the ends of the earth. And uh, he was involved in Trump's uh, pandemic response team. And he wrote the book Three Seconds Till Midnight, which is prophetic. It was published like summer 2019. And it was about just how poor our response is going to be. he talked about all the vaccines that were had and how they were created. Now, on another note, one of my favorite books, it's called Raven Rock by Garrett Graff, which I think you and I have talked about before. I've interviewed that author. It's all about the nuclear bunker system starting under FDR and up until whatever was most recently declassified under like, like late Bush, early Obama. And it's really, the name of the book is Raven Rock, how the US government plans to save itself while the rest of us die. And it was what Eisenhower realized with the whole civil defense or whatever it was about, hey, once the thermonuclear warheads start flying on tips of missiles coming in from space at Mach 25 and they're a thousand times stronger than the bombs we dropped on Hiroshima, average Bob and Sue are not going to survive. Yes, that book right there, absolutely incredible. And so really what they started to do was focus their efforts. And another way to say it is is they just – Started to save save themselves, right? And so how is Hatfield's? Those, I have no idea. Um, sorry, I, again, I've, I don't. Could you
0: repeat that question?
1: How is said? How is Hatfield's book? How is Hatfield's foot after the police ran over it? I have no idea what that means. Um, but regardless, what we saw with the the bunker system was how they put, how is Hatfield's foot doing that was run over by the police who were following him? I don't know if that's something that's been in the news or if that's a story I'm unaware of, but I have no idea how his foot is doing. Um, but what I'm getting to with the bunker system is there's decades, again, there's, there's reason to believe based on declassified documents and the story by Garrett Graff, which is absolutely incredible, is that the government will save itself at all costs? I mean, uh, the Greenbrier Hotel, where they had all the cots and everything for all the senators and Congressmen and women, and they also had all of the medications they were on. And they had, you know, they had their own like uh, armories there. So if there was, I guess, hordes of U.S. citizens in a radioactive wasteland, they had enough weapons to kill them all. That's how you know they love us. But really, all of these things, and it was really just enough to survive, kind of the core. Uh, aspects of America, which again, I don't really believe it's, it's the ones with the power under the control. It's the ones who are going to cause a thermonuclear Armageddon are the only ones that are going to be saved from the thermonuclear Armageddon, which is just insane. Dr. Hatfield talks about it. And he's read that book. He talks about how all the vaccine stockpiles we have, you know, we talk about, oh, the government bought 500 million doses of monoclonal antibodies. They're, they're protecting us. Well, yeah, man, for everything they buy, all of the good stuff is hoarded in these bunkers. That's not a conspiracy. It's just, it's for that small group to survive. Again, why send a million men to die in Japan when you can just get Ghislaine to compromise one CEO, right? It's much more apply that pressure in one spot as opposed to that shotgun approach. One thing I always think about is, how much of this is just us seeing how there is no plan for the average person to survive? Let's go out on a limb and say COVID nineteen really wasn't released by Wuhan or Fort Detrick. Let's just say let's just say it was a virus, which I don't necessarily believe, but let's just say it is. I'm open to the to the thought experiment. I don't necessarily believe it, but I'm open to. What we're seeing right now is just. The US government and by extension, all the other governments, right? You could replace that title with whatever, Brazil, the government saving itself while the rest of us die. That might be, and again, I don't necessarily believe this, but that might be an explanation for what we're seeing in all these weird ties. Again, I don't really believe that, but I always try to keep an open mind. So that was just kind of like a side ramble I wanted to go on. Sorry about that. I get, I get, clearly I love the sound of my own voice.
0: Well, I, I I think the thoughts that happen tangentially or serendipitously sometimes uh, are the best ones because they uh, people used to say that wild tangents or, or whatever, uh, but sometimes there's something telling you like your innate pattern recognition system yeah. goes, hmm, that's like this. Yeah, you know this situation's like this, and when you see continuity of government, and I re- read that book. Uh, where all the preparations are, and we have a guy who we interviewed, uh, John Lachlan, whose dad was involved with the civil defense and that program. And I've talked with a, uh, different folks at Mount Weather. I've gone to Greenbrier. Uh, there's the Supreme Court going to uh, North Carolina by the Rockefeller, or excuse me, the Vanderbilt mansion and so forth. It is all all the the real. time, energy, effort, resources are for these the elites yeah. uh, because they think that's continuity of government. They think that's what's worth saving. Dick Cheney was very involved in all this stuff. Um, and if you get to the point where you have a Henry Kissinger sitting down with Klaus Schwab and they say, you know what, the population is threatening our planet. And we tried with the, the the carbon thing and the green energy and all that and the green plan. We thought we could do it the the nice way, but can't do it the nice way. We just have to start rapidly increasing aging to where we have a 40% spike and we have to introduce a mutation protein. And if we're going to do it, let's introduce a mutation protein. So we have a thousand new diseases. uh, And that way we learn about a thousand new things as long as we don't have the mutator then uh you know we could use these it's sort of like using the the cattle before the slaughter it's yeah. like well we can milk them too you know yeah. with the experiments before we slaughter them I and mean, it's got 5 6 years of milking here yeah that's what it feels like that's what this feels like a lot
1: yeah oh no i'm 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 open to that idea entirely of to get the most out if we're just going to bring back the Operation Paperclip scientists, so the Soviets can't have them. Well, what are we gonna worse? Are we gonna are we gonna waste these perfectly good scientists? No, we're gonna get some rockets out of it, right? We're gonna go to the moon too. We're gonna make sure we can send up satellites. If you were going to depopulate the world, and again, I'm not just like I don't necessarily believe that this is just a just a random virus, but let's just let's play with this idea, just an open idea. If it was a depopulation plan, I mean, would you not get the most out of it? Would you not introduce some things? I mean, you run all the tests on the spacecraft while it's still on Earth, right? You do all the testing at the NASA center. You have the the astronauts go in the they'll go in the pool and test what it's like to be in zero gravity right? before you send them up there, so that you can avert disaster. Now you still have like a Columbia or a or a Challenger, but you try to negate all that stuff first, right? Like. Uh, The astronauts trained out in um, the Nevada test site where we had all the craters from nuclear weapons and artillery usage because that's what most resembled the moon. We didn't wait till they were on the moon to figure out how do you walk on a crater. You first do it here. Man, if you were getting ready to remove everyone from the planet that you saw as a threat to yourself, which again, let's just not even that's from Raven Rock, from Gearcraft's book Raven Rock, we've seen before. That they will place themselves, the ones that set off the thermonuclear Armageddon, will protect themselves. They're either pure evil or they are doing some beautiful mental gymnastics to think that they're in the right. Maybe it's no longer that we have to face the Soviet threat or the Chinese threat. Maybe it's the threat of, of exponential division, of a growing humanity and a limited number of resources. They might be looking at it as how do we save the most valuable and how do we—if we're going to save a couple, let's really ensure, right? If you have 10 Secret Service agents and the president, and they all have, like, a bulletproof vest on, and, I don't know, like, a firefight breaks out, eventually they're going to go, let's save the one guy. And if we're going to save one guy, let's ensure he's saved—you can almost imagine they just throw their bulletproof vests on him, right, and turn him into, like, some weird, I don't know, Kevlar shell. If you're going to save one guy— Let's really save that one guy. If you know the ball, if you know you're playing roulette and you know it's going to land on black, let's really bet down on that. If they know that there's going to be a small group of people who are going to survive and that's going to be the next level of humanity, let's really make sure they survive. Let's run tests on people of all walks of life with all different genomes from Africa to North America to Asia to Australia to whatever, again, Santa Claus, I mean, do you even want to know? I feel like that's, I don't think that's at all out of the realm of possibility. Get the most out of it. Let's milk the cow. Let's see what happens. We're going to kill Tommy. Let's at least see how he reacts to penicillin. Like, let's get that data, right? You know, I mean, the Nazis, again, we don't even have to hypothesize about what it would be. They knew they were going to kill the prisoners, See what happens when we put them in a zero-pressure chamber. See what happens when we put them in ice baths and try to rewarm them. They want to find that out for what if Luftwaffe pilots crashed in, like, the northern Atlantic. We're going to kill them anyway. You know, let's either get them to build things, right, the labor camps. You don't want to go just death camp because that's the end goal anyway. Get the most out of it. <laughs> get the most out of it i mean look it's uh it's not enough that you knock down the twin towers so we can go get money in the middle east let's uh let's have silverstein take out a huge like ninety nine year lease and get a bunch of insurance money too like let's really wring this towel dry I mean man, it gives you the chills to think about but
0: well, let me give you the uh one of those elite programs that oh, you just can't quite believe okay oh, and I covered this five years ago and uh, it was Jeff Epstein flying over to uh, Little St. James Island. And there was this Dr. Eric Braverman. Now, we covered another Eric Braverman who was meeting with this Ukrainian uh, billionaire who seemed to be very involved in bioweapons. And, and Eric Braverman seemed like he was laundering the money or being asked to launder the, the takings. So that's not the DNC, Eric Braverman, who ran the Clinton Foundation, Uh, But this is a different Dr. Eric Graveman who was selling uh, eternal life, you know, the longevity. And his program was with the Duchess of York, Fergie, uh, the uh, Prince Andrew's wife. Uh, And it was the uh, toast of the town, toast of Manhattan, uh, selling to these elites. And they they were taking people to Jeff Epstein's island and selling this thing. And then they were also talking about, like you mentioned, Uh, Hey, here's your uh, the the Nazi camp thing. The commandant with the twenty jewesses, you know, uh, had had fifty kids, and then also clones for uh, just in case you ever needed a kidney. Your HLA compatibility matrix is going to look really good because you won't even have to ask your brother for a kidney. You can just, you know, use one of your clones. All that was. Jeff Epstein was working on that. He had a he had a thing out in New Mexico for this. None of this stuff came up at trial, but it seems like there's a flip side to that. You can't have elites that live forever unless you have the regular population dying off quicker. And like you say, you may as well. I mean, the Nazis had a thing where they just took all these different things that try to kill horses and started injecting it in humans. They didn't have to stop at monkeys; they went straight to humans. Uh, it seems like we're going through the same thing. Uh, now, instead of horses, it's monkeys. And then, you know, they move it out from the human to the monkey and then the monkey back. And then they try to get us to believe that it came from a bat to a pangolin and then a fish market. You know, so there's just the craziest stories that that if you literally if if you had gone into a uh, or oh, like a coffee shop and said, here's how coronavirus started, you hadn't been pre-primed with that you said it actually was in this bat cave and these miners were mining guano and then it jumped over to a pangolin that rolls up into a ball in africa and then uh you know it it went to a fish market where they don't sell either one of those two things and then it broke out and and went all over the world you know people would lock you up it's like, that is the craziest conspiracy theory I've ever heard. But yet, we were told that story so many times over and over. And now, of course, it's completely discredited. But it's the conspiracy theory. that The, the, the logical thing that's not conspiracy theory is, hey, you've spent, as a country, billions of dollars, trillions, developing this, looking at this, and constantly passaging this stuff through animals to make it more pathogenic make it more infective, right? So uh, it, it leaks out of labs all the time. You guys test this stuff all the time. Um, it kind of seems like these are almost controlled releases in order for us to prepare for some Armageddon that may be coming. That's a much more, it's sort of like if you, if you practice the D-Day or I, you're a World War II fan, if you practice the Omaha Beach or the Utah beach with the grappling hooks and climbing the uh, cliffs there, the hundred foot cliffs. And you did that every day for two years in England preparing. Uh, If you saw on D-Day that happening, you would go, hey, I know that group. That was the 82nd Airborne. They they practiced that for two years. It doesn't surprise me at all that that's happening right now on Utah beach. You know what I mean? It's just a logical thing that you would see. uh, Oh, gosh, you've been... You've been making that bioweapon for seven decades to be released. So the fact that it gets released is not a big surprise.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's, you know, Jeff Epstein talked about or Barry Levine talks about in his book, the spider towards the end. That's, that's something that a lot of people know about Jeffrey Epstein is he wanted to seed the planet with his own DNA. He wanted to like put together this, basically farm of, like, young, fertile women with the best genetics. He didn't want a father. You know, he wasn't going to act as a father, you, you know, just have his whole outfit do it. But he wanted to seed the world. And, like, that's something that is almost as, in, not as insane as the blackmail compromising, I guess, uh, uh, missions or operations that he and Ghislaine were doing. But that's another weird thing that, like, like, that happens to be the same guy like right they're both weird enough but it also happens to be that guy i i, I, I don't know i don't know it, it it's yeah It it's dark and i know that's kind of like a like a bs answer or response and there's really no meat to it but it's i mean how much of its cognitive dissonance how much of it's like i don't want to see this How much of it's, I don't know, my own delusion. Maybe I'm seeing connections where they don't exist. Maybe I'm seeing patterns. Um, You know, that General Mattis quote, intuition is is pattern recognition, nothing more, nothing less. And so what you can do is, that brings to the next Mattis quote, if you have not read hundreds of history books, you are functionally illiterate. And the reasoning is, is just like an AI machine looking at 10,000 images of streetlights so it can now recognize streetlights in all different angles and backgrounds and, you know, light conditions. The more you look at something, the more your pattern recognition is more accurate. The more books you read, the more accurate your pattern recognition is. I haven't read that many, but from what I have read, this stuff isn't out of the realm of possibility by any means whatsoever. I mean... I mean, in, in Raven Rock, there is a system of things that we put on the we the Pentagon put on the top of uh, telephone poles around the biggest cities, and they detected the signature double flash of a of a nuclear warhead going off. And the reasoning is is that in that brief moment that the flash went off, they could relay it to the Pentagon. So around all the big cities, it was just another uh, redundancy to be able to detect if a bomb went off. Because if a bomb goes off and there's the emp pulse you can't really find out if it's there because all the electronics are destroyed so what you can find out is by the absence of these little things would ping back to the pentagon like three times a second and they were there for years and if they ever went off they could detect if there was a flash because we'd get things like right we'd get little gremlins in the radar machines there's stories about that where we thought there was you know a thousand nukes coming up from over the southern hemisphere and three two one impact and then still talking to the guy on the ground in New York, and they're like, "No, we're still here, and so you got to know whether or not it's working, right but I look about I think about that, and I think that was like under JFK, maybe LBJ. if you went back into the sixties, right, and you you know, hey, come here, son, you come out, you see those telephone poles? Some of them are connected to the Pentagon so that they can tell if Soviet nukes have blown up, all right, Dad. Hey, Mom, Dad's having one of those episodes again. No, I'm telling you, there's a signature double flash. They have to know. It's so it can go to the... No, no, we have the Nazi scientists. No, th- we're not going to the moon yet. We're going to the moon in a couple years. But for now, we need to have the telephone pull. All right, Dad. And then you go inside and you're like, man, the, the war really messed up my dad. But it's true. Now it's just a book that we just accept. We go, oh, yeah, what a great book that is. Love it on Audible. So when you bring up this you know, stuff about what's going on in the world today, I mean, I can only imagine there's someone 80 years in the future that's like, yeah, if you went back to 2022 and just walked up to some random person and said, hey, did you know that XYZ, they would do what? They would look at you and be like, oh, what, do you watch Alex Jones? But it's what happened.
0: I don't know, man. Well, well, this this leads us into the Lieber light pole, yes. meaning if, yeah, yeah, there we go, finally got to the Lieber light pole, where, you know, bioweapons sensors in all the major cities on top of light poles would make a lot of sense uh, because DHS now wants to uh, have an ability to uh, protect the, the American people or protect the American people from that. So if we had something using nanowires uh, that could, measure nano-sized devices, nano-sized molecules and with specificity like Charles Lieber made in his, his blood sniffer and, and other people licensed technology for the air sniffers, where would you test this? Well, geez, wouldn't it be great to test it in the place that's doing the actual 3D figuring out of the regional binding domain, Wooji Aptech. Wouldn't it be great to put it on out on a lake somewhere where there's no people? Uh, Maybe even you could spray it from a series of drones uh, during a major athletic event with 300,000 people. So you'd have a whole, you know, worldwide, you know, you'd be able to test a whole worldwide population at once, but yet to be able to do a controlled experiment. And if these folks were going around an oval that was two and a half miles uh, around and they were, or let's say a mile around, or whatever, and they were doing ten laps. We could see how, if we put something out there, some kind of agent, how it affected them over over the battle, if you will, and and would be very controlled in this bike race. Would be very controlled, and and then if we did a bio agent or whatever, we could see how it affected the athletes. And when they go back to their own home countries, we could see how things would spread. And this would be a way of kind of like a um, you know, like uh, a vaccine. We'd be vaccinating ourselves against the really, really big, bad virus outbreak. And it's, so the vaccine kind of makes you sick as you develop a response and go through all the motions. So is this whole thing that happened at the NATO Wuhan games with the vex, with the virus, was that sort of the DHS or the Joint Chiefs of Staff's way of, of vaccinating us against the big one, you know, uh, that You know, we have to go through all the, uh, remember the the drills, the civil defense drills and dig, uh, like you said, a a hole in our backyard for the nuclear bomb shelter. There you go. It was a very controlled experiment. It was right there in Wuhan as Wuji was in a partnership with uh, Huawei, who were putting up these poles and rolling 5G out for the first time. Uh, I don't know if there's an ability to communicate with what's on the athlete's clothing and in nanoparticles. I don't even know if there are such things as uh in if if there's an if there's a way to ingest enough nanoparticles that would self assemble and be some kind of antenna inside the body or outside the body. I don't know any of those things. I'm just saying it makes a lot more sense to do that at the military games. Where we have the super spreader event, which we later find out is the super spreader event rather than a pangolin had sex with a bat and it didn't do anything for 10 years. And then all of a sudden it broke out a thousand miles away and didn't affect anybody in between. You know, just completely crazy conspiracy theory that was pushed out by Peter Daszak and uh, EcoHealth Alliance. I think it's a lot more uh, understandable and believable if you say, hey, this is a military exercise where we were trying to get people ready for the event of uh, another type Spanish flu without having the number of deaths. Unfortunately, you're going to break a few eggs when you make an omelet. And, you know, this is just one of those things like a Pearl Harbor or whatever. You don't want to think it's possible or true, but it could be what happened.
1: What I love about – hey, you're going to hate me again. I really got to use the restroom again. I crushed one of these bottles. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'll be right back, and then I want to ask you about the lever light pull.
0: Yeah, well, if you look at the athletes going around here, um, this, I think, is the uh, tri-athletic event – the Ironman event, excuse me. Uh, Looks like they're switching from the bikes there to the – I'm not sure if this is the Wuhan event, but it was, looks like it was out there in the East Lake area. And you can see it's kind of a, even though Wuhan's got the 20 million people and all that, it's in a remote, uh, uh, it, it's, it's in a remote area that you could uh, do some kind of conditioning. I mean, again, I, I, people say, well, show me where there was drones spraying. And you only have to look for a few minutes to find that there was a big disinfection program that the Chinese government was running with drones, spraying from drones. They had done a huge um, drill in, on September the 12th through the 18th on preparing for coronavirus. Uh, the State Department had said, hey, this is a real risk for coronavirus. So why wouldn't I think they were rolling it out then, uh, the test?
1: So now if I can ask you some questions, because this sure. is my, and I think I've shown throughout this episode that whereas most people say conspiracy theories in a derogative manner, I look at it as just like an interesting thought experiment. So when I use the term conspiracy theory, I don't want you to take it as, hey, uh, Mr. Webb, Mr. Conspiracy Theory. No, I, o- I own it. So that being said, this is my new favorite conspiracy, is how would you control the mass mind and you know you look at like propaganda right you look at like Operation uh, Mockingbird it's kind of all you know, old-school conspiracies now right it's it's like Gen 1 when you look at how would you control the mind um, I think in the 70s and 80s they started to at the US Embassy in uh, Moscow they realized that there was like being you know kind of early signs of Havana syndrome which was some microwave or directed energy weapon used against uh, just against people at the embassy, and if you could manipulate them that way, even just as simple as, you know, subconsciously, when you stand by this window, you end up getting a headache. You just subconsciously or consciously, whatever, regardless, you just end up not being by that window. There's no importance to the window, but it's it's proof of concept. It shows it works. Um, and then I think about, you know. Now, we don't necessarily need Operation Mockingbird. You could just have on your phone, right? Just tracking you, following all your apps. And you even see little, you see subconscious controlling of the mind through, let's see, like YouTube, right? Um, you have idiots like me who just get banned because I don't stop talking about it. But you do see a lot of people that, let's maybe not talk about those banned topics, right? And they still say that they are free speech fighters, but they. but we won't talk about the election, or, or did COVID come from a lab, right? We just don't talk about that. That is, you're starting to manipulate people's minds. You know, I don't want to post that on Facebook because then I'll get banned, and now I can't look at pictures of uh, you know girls I went to college with. So I'm gonna stay on Facebook. But you see these little, they're starting to, you know, like an animal, or like breeding a certain dog to act a certain way, like a German Shepherd or a pit bull or a horse or you know a pea plant or whatever you can start training people and it's let's ban alex jones let's not look at the big question of whether or not people are now okay with banning was just alex jones and then it's and then it's milo and then it's president trump and then it's on on and on and on and on and on and on you can ban anyone you want because they've now moved the window of acceptance there are all these ways of mass mind control. It's what it is. I mean, it sounds, you know, again, the term conspiracy carries a lot of uh, baggage with it. But, right, it's mass mind control. So from what I understand, and I I said this on an episode with Dr. Nass, we were just kind of going back and forth about things. One thing I brought up was like, and I think you posted something about this because I thought I was just making it up. What I proposed to her, I was like, what if you could send a signal from your uh, from a screen? What if you could make me feel uncomfortable? You know, just some outside the visible spectrum, nothing I notice. But now every time I visit, you know, WikiLeaks.com, I end up getting kind of nauseous or something, right? Let's just you could subconsciously train me or billions of people to hey, stop looking at WikiLeaks, right? Or anything, any leak, any cable. Any anything that makes the people in power look bad. And I started thinking, well, like, you could control everyone that way. So this whole ramble now closing to your little, like, two-minute video on Twitter about the Libra light pole. And it's the idea that if you could, like, saturate the mind, I mean, not, not like the mind, like I mean, literally brain tissue, with something like, you know, carbon nanotubes or any little kind of nanoparticle that would assemble in kind of a, like you said, positive, negative, positive, negative. What if you could put different almost walls in the brain or put little antennas and the idea that like when you put someone in surgery, right? And they do like an fMRI or they're manipulating the brain and they, they'll take someone that knows how to play a violin and then they'll, you know, apply an electric pulse to this part of the brain and all of a sudden they forget how to play the violin. Or you can, you know, insert it into a mouse and all of a sudden they start doing X, Y, or Z. Or you can just manipulate the brain, right? So what would be the ultimate mind control? What would be that that laser-guided weapon in terms of the best uh, application of pressure? It would be if you could saturate the brains of every human with a, a nanoparticle that, when hit with a certain frequency, would start to cause the brain to do certain things. Maybe it's, you could say that if we had this during the 2020, uh, you know, the riots that summer, which it seems like the government kind of wanted to happen. But let's say they didn't want it to happen. Let's go back to like the anti-war movement outside the Pentagon before Vietnam imagine if you could just all of a sudden make everyone docile. And instead of having to disperse Valium via an aerosol from a helicopter, and everyone's like, well, what is that? What if you could do something that no one knew was happening? You know, it's kind of like that quote, if mind control was ever perfected, you would never know. Because you wouldn't think about it, or you would be told not to think about it. So to me, that is my new favorite conspiracy theory about that is what's going on right now. is Because then you can just lead them to the slaughter. You can do whatever you want. And what if you could just put something that could be activated by a frequency and just beam it out, and now all of a sudden everyone's docile? Or like in the movie Kingsman, you can make everyone go insane and start attacking each other, and that's how you can depopulate the world. I mean, it's out there. It's out there with, with you know, the grandpa saying, you see that telephone pulse on that reports to the Pentagon? But like that telephone pole, that ended up being a hundred percent accurate. It was a class. It was just a classified program. Is that what's going on? And did I did I frame that correctly? Is that what you are postulating with the Lieber light,
0: Lieber Light Pole hypothesis? Yeah. Yes and no. Okay. I mean, I'm not doing the mind control thing with Lieber light pole. Okay, My thing comes from a rumor. Oh. Well, not a rumor, but it comes from the joint special operations operators. Just like you talk to these people. I had a, a, a previous partner who, who's passed away now, but she talked to these guys and said that there was a nanoparticle program in Afghanistan. And the way it works is you spray an area like you know, out where Osama bin Laden is. And these guys breathe this in, uh, in the remote hinders, uh, hinterland. And then they come back to the, uh, cities to do their bombings and stuff. And, and what you would have is a checkpoint where they could go through like a Lados uh, scanner that you see at the airport. And that would show all these nanoparticles that they were spraying way out by Osama bin Laden. And that was way different than the, city people who didn't have the nanoparticle and uh that would be the way that you would know hey this is a terrorist check out their id and start asking some questions right Uh, they were giving them trying to give them uh vaping stuff uh they there was this guy named javid who was trying to get this vaping uh way of uptaking and then there's food they could spray it and try to get into the food system they were trying to get it uh, coming up through the different uh wheat and different grains and and so forth. So uh, Lieber, interestingly enough, uh, was working directly on putting meshes, brain meshes. It's actually an injectable mesh that uh, kind of goes in as a tube and then unfurls in the brain and actually goes to the brain and does disrupt brain activity. I heard a Chinese postdoc directly testify to what you just said which was there was a way of communicating to this remotely, uh, to this brain mesh uh, that was accumulating. They were trying to see how much of the mesh needed to accumulate in order to cause some kind of disruption and dysfunction. And this is where I thought the bike race would be the perfect way to test this because they all had to get doping tests before. They all had to get vaccinations before. This would be the perfect place to test a whole bunch of different people from a whole bunch of different countries. It's a bunch of bikers. They're, you know, it's not going to, you know, this isn't uh, intelligence officers or whatever, but just, you know, we could be applying pulses to disrupt their brain activity. You only have to have two or three seconds at a critical point in a mission. And like, a, like you're saying with the F 117, I only need to have that pilot space out when they're two minutes you know two seconds over target and just flip out and out you know yeah whatever but you're saying you know you're basically saying it's the easiest critical link to break is the human link is that possible and there was a, a raytheon had a thing called i think it was the centurion or it was a direct energy device it was a direct uh uh energy thing for crowd control. Mm-hmm. And by the uptake of these nanoparticles and so forth, you could um, you could basically almost warm the blood of the suspected terrorist or somebody who had had a lot of the nanoparticles, uh, which was another interesting thing. When I saw Bob Malone, when I saw Robert Malone's, one of his big partners, in addition to this vaping and this vapor bar, uh, and the Tobacco Institute uh, doing synthetic tobacco was Lados the people who do the scanning at the airport. I said, oh, my God, this is what Task Force, my ex-partner, was talking about with the nanoparticles four years ago. And I was like, oh, my God, this, they're doing it. Um, and I'm not so sure they're not. I mean, I, the, the more, like it's, like you say, pattern recognition. Do this. The terrorists don't want to know they're being marked with a tattoo or a serial number or whatever, get something that they do every day that they can't avoid like breathing or drinking water or whatever and slowly accumulate the nanoparticles. Hopefully you can get them on vaccination, but they had a program where they were trying to trace them with vaccinations and then that was outed and that that made the vaccination route for tracking the terrorists go away. So they had to go to something George, George, Uh,
1: my connection just, George, what's up? George froze up.
0: You know, Tommy, Tommy, I just I just had, I was overcome with a hot feeling in my head. I don't know where it came from, but I was looking at this
1: pole in the backyard and I just saw. Over- you're going to get. But I was, your, your video froze and I was like, oh, so we're dead now, aren't we? Um, but I can't
0: hear you okay now we're unmuted sure I was your yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, it, it all uh, it froze up and I was like oh god they just killed George like, this is exactly how it's gonna happen and I was like no come on let me at least yeah. upload it Um, go, go back to you're saying the vaccination program was outed
0: well, I'm just saying that they tried the vaccination route to trace the the people with Bin Laden, and they did one round of vaccine, and they killed a couple of terrorists. But then the terrorists figured it out, uh, so then they went to this uh, vaping thing, and they went to the uh, trying to spray the f- field, and I think getting it into the wheat somehow. I don't know if they grow wheat in Afghanistan, but anyway, there were or rice but they're, they're all these different ways of uptaking the nanoparticles so that they could image and tell the difference between the people in the caves and the people in the cities. I guess that's, that's the bottom line. Mm-hmm. Copa Black and, and John Brennan and uh, Operation Blackjack is supposedly what's the name of it.
1: Yeah. I mean, it makes sense, right? It's like, uh, it's kind of like, um, like dye packs that they put in like the bags of money. So if you steal it from a bank, when you open up, like, the stack of Benjamins, it sprays the green paint on you. Now, that's obviously more overt. You, you know you're sprayed. I guess it's, like, imagine if there were dye packs, but it was, like, infrared vapor, and you didn't even know that you were tagged. I mean, it is a genius way to tag people. I mean, yeah, I don't know why you wouldn't do it. Um, so I compl- so that means I completely just, like, completely misunderstood the whole idea about the stuff forming in the brain about it being some form of, like, mind control or uh, some way to to affect someone's uh, patterns of behavior or habits.
0: Can't, can't hear you. No, you're right. The testimony that I heard okay. from the Chinese postdoc at the trial was that they were putting these brain meshes in people's brains and they were— Kind of glomming on, like you would have a barnacle that gloms onto a, a ship, glomming onto the brain, uh, and then they could send signals from outside the brain that would disrupt the, the patterns uh, of the thinking. And they were they were saying uh, it could be like Alzheimer's, or you know, they were trying to say that this was trying to correct something like multiple sclerosis or some some kind of. Uh, you know, where they lose the conductive tissue, the myelin teeth, those kind of brain issues. But it seemed like it was really a bioweapons. There was really no logical explanation of why they were trying to disrupt people's patterns. You know, it could cause somebody to crash in a bike race, for instance, where somebody got vaccinated. They thought they were going to get vaccinated for this thing that, that was coronavirus. A month before they had this big exercise at the at the NATO Wuhan games for coronavirus. So now they're all the State Department people that are going to games get the get that vax. When in actual fact it wasn't the vax, it was this weird, crazy experiment that they were running on these soldiers. It's happened before. They did it at Tuskegee, you know, with a whole bunch of people without telling them. And it just seems like and and Redfield. Did a whole bunch of these experiments uh, uh, with soldiers f- uh, for the early vaccine candidates for for HIV uh, GP160. so uh, I guess we're having fun here at the end uh, to you know kind of blue sky some things, but uh, the more I see when I saw Robert uh, Cap- uh, Malone working with Lados. Which is the scan air at the airport? I really started thinking, "Oh my God, this nano thing could be true."
1: What do you think the the end goal of all of this would be? I mean, is it the big enchilada? Is this is everything we're seeing now in twenty 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 one twenty two? Is this depopulation, or is are 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 you and I have we have we created something in our own minds? that's not necessarily true. Have we blown up a conspiracy that doesn't exist or is this the conspiracy to end all conspiracies?
0: I think you could make a case that you're trying to do tracking in an anti terrorist system. And if you don't prepare the population in sort of a mock exercise for social distancing and the masks and the vaccine patches and so forth, you don't do this stuff every once in a while. Have a disruptive uh, event like nine eleven or Corona nine one one, then the population will never be prepared. So I think there is a rationalization these people have that this is kind of like necessary. Yeah, yeah. You need to exercise in order to be in good shape, and you just can't eat sugar all day. And and you need to every once in a while have these painful. Uh, events or, or processes. But then the other thing, the Auschwitz scenario is also, uh, you know, where this is, the Auschwitz perfected, you know. This is all the things we did wrong at Auschwitz. Number one, we moved them to camps. Let's kill them in place, you know. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, you know, and the second thing is we we scared them. And the meat isn't tender when you scare the cow before slaughter, right? So you got to keep them pacified. And the other thing is we didn't get them to attack each other enough uh, in Auschwitz and so forth. We didn't have Jew-on-Jew hate. We got to start developing political parties and and just really incredibly divisive people on both the left and the right and have them fighting each other, you know. So this this is like, I I hate to say it, Auschwitz-perfected, but maybe this is Auschwitz-perfected. Or it's a evil scientist thing where you're trying to say, I want to understand what every nucleotide in the human genome is. And I'm not so sure that 95% of it or 98% of it's junk DNA. And I bet we could use that, yeah. you know, Bill Gates thing where we could write on that junk DNA and we could make things that we never made before. And we could have cyborgs, you know, with Klaus Schwab, you know, you would be able to have a gene just for turning on your robot car. Yeah. And it would know where you want to (laughs) go. Yeah. Yeah. It's,
1: I feel, yeah, I feel like some things it could be is either, yeah, some anti, some counter-terrorist program, right? Like, you know, like mass surveillance in the wake of 9-11 that eventually does get abused, but it started out with quote unquote best of intentions. Um, It might be Auschwitz perfected. I, 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 for me, when I look at the depopulation thing, I just feel like you could probably do it a lot quicker. And the one thing that gets me with it being depopulation is, is if there's depopulation, you wouldn't leave it up to voluntary vaccination. Like granted there's coercion, there are people getting fired. But, you know, if you really wanted to kill everyone, you wouldn't you wouldn't bank on them going to get the shot. You would it would be something that, you know, the select few, I don't know, maybe the top ten thousand people in the world would get some protection from. But then you'd, you know, you release it in December 2019 and it would be finished by New Year's, right? You would just go full on Ebola, Marburg, bubonic plague, smallpox, you know, hemorrhagic fever combined. It seems like this would be a very long, drawn out way to, you know, to to do this. Um, So
0: that's one, that's one, yeah. That's the sign of Henry Kissinger. That's the signature of Henry Kissinger, small moves. Yeah, you know, like when you're, shooting, yeah. when you're shooting the radio, you don't jump around, yeah. you, you do the safe cracker thing. That's that's Kissinger because he's like, these are world systems, so we gotta just whereas Klaus Schwab is the ring, 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 you know, the little kid trying to find the radio station. Yeah, you know, and we go back and forth, you know, wildly and we never really tune in. But Kissinger has that kind of Let's do this gradually, Klaus. Let's not go write the robots. I realize your car could be doing, you know, we can make Uber and Lyft tomorrow, robot cars. But, you know, UPS can have all the drones flying off the top of the roof of the UPS truck. I realize we have all that, but people aren't ready yet. Let's do this slowly. I, I think that's where we're at.
1: I will say, <clears throat> one thing, then we'll, we'll wrap this up. But I, I will say... Are you okay with, with closing up in a couple minutes?
0: Yeah, I'm okay. I'm good.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um, I will say the one thing about Klaus and I don't know enough about him. I do get some, like, bin Laden vibes from him in that, like, bin Laden was very convenient. This guy who hates America, and he's just hiding in a cave, and he pops on camera and beheads someone, and, hey, that's why we got to take away your freedoms, is that's why... We, all right, well, I guess you got to tap my phone. And it's just he's just popping around. And it's like, wait, we funded this guy back in the 80s. And it's like, yeah, shut up, shut up. And it's I kind of get some Bin Laden vibes in that, like, I have never heard of Klaus Schwab before the last couple of years. And now all of a sudden, there's this evil German guy who dresses in like, Dr. Evil outfits. And he's like, we just want to take care of the world. And like, it kind of seems a little like who is this guy it's too it's a little convenient it's very very convenient where it's like we we gotta you know it's ukraine we gotta go in it's it's putin it's the soviet union's back and it's like
0: huh hold on that's another reason why this could be Auschwitz perfected because his father was a the, the top contractor for Hitler. Oh, God. His father made uh, flamethrowers for Hitler. Uh, so Hitler was number one contractor. So it's like th- this could be like all the things we did wrong at Auschwitz. Now we can really, you know, uh, and we'll make money and we'll get experimentation yeah. out of it like we never did yeah. Back at the camps, we had to move the doctors to the camps. We had the lines. This one will be, everybody will be doing it in place. We'll get everybody to do their own tests. They'll send back their, their, their Schwab, the Schwabs, you know, going up the nose. We had all the genetic information. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, there's never any rhyme or reason. You know, Fauci says you can go have, uh, as long as you don't know the woman, you can go have sex with the woman, you won't get COVID, right, in the middle of the pandemic but you have to wear the mask with your family and stay six feet of the, with them unless you're on a boat with Gretchen Whitmer, you know, in the middle of, uh, you know, a Mackinac Island. There's only certain pockets, you know, where it's not transmissible. Yeah, they're, they're the craziest things we've been told through this whole thing, y- you, it does have that Klaus Schwab feel like he's going to make dad proud.
1: So, yeah. anyway, like, uh, yeah, like Bush going in to finish HW's war, it's Klaus trying to just get in with the Nazis. Um, in closing, I, 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 I do have to say that all the podcast guests I talked about today, I don't speak for any of them. Dr. Malone, Dr. Alabek, Hatfill, Nass, did I say Alabek, Charlie Duke, um, Claire Lopez, Ken Clisby, everyone I mentioned today. And I'm not saying, and I'm not saying that you, you know, you made me represent them. It just full disclosure, it's I don't talk for, I can't speak for any of them. I love them all as guests. They've all been very kind to me, so I don't want anyone to, you know, say Tommy said Albeck is, you know, actually still working for the like. No, no, I email Albeck and he's like, Merry Christmas, Tommy, and I'm like, I hope your daughter is doing well. I can't wait to chat with you again. Same thing with Doctor Malone. I tweet him a meme where I turned him into post Malone and I gave him like the head tattoos and everything. So just for that, I have to, you know, kind of cover that. I don't speak for any of them. Again, I can only speak from the discussions I've had with them, with Malone and McCullough. I, I, they passed my sniff test. I think they're both wonderful people. Um, And I don't, anything I, you know, discussed about history and cold war history, I don't want it to make it sound like I'm I'm comparing the two and saying, oh, they're the same. I'm not at all. Um, Just for for me, I have to just out of respect for them, just as I would do for you. Someone's like, do you think George Webb loves Auschwitz? I'd be like, what? But, you know, I would entertain the idea. I'd go, sure. Tell me your conspiracy about Webb. Doesn't mean I and I would end that podcast by saying I don't speak for George Webb. So I just have to say that for myself and just out of respect for them as individuals like yourself, give me time out of their day and give me podcast content. So just kind of yeah. wanted to cover my base with that. And um, yeah, man, Lieber light pole, Schwab.
0: <sighs> I think we were, I mean, if, if I was running a smart city and this Columbus is a smart city uh, and there's smart roads and smart everything, Right. I would move from Internet of Things. I'm just as a technologist. This is yeah. my area, right? Oh, yeah. Which is ping, ping. If you want to figure something out, ping it. You know, and know where it is at least. That's your first thing you do, and then you do your trace route after that. But you ping it first. Uh, and if I could ping, if if you every time you went by a light pole in a bike race, let's say, and it went ping, ping, yeah. ping, I now can trace your route. Yeah right? A series of pings is a trace route. So that's what I want because it, it doesn't matter if there's 50,000 people in, a, in an army moving in a certain direction. It doesn't matter. It, it doesn't help me to, to model 10 million people walking around Wuhan. Yeah. What I want is to be modeling the one person on the one bike that might have the nuclear suitcase that's going to blow up the world trade center or whatever. So I need the ability on the light pole to ping them and go. There's where they are. And in an op center, you know, I talked about you know uh, our good friend uh, Tom Clancy with Steve Batenic writing the the book called Op Center, where they talked about the seven guys that they hired in 1995 in Tyson's Corner, the secret little op center, which became the Counterterrorism Center later on with the Osama bin Laden. That was their whole dream, right? When they did the dark winter tabletop exercises at National Defense University with uh, Jim Woolsey, that was their dream. Follow the suitcase from ping to, ping to ping to ping to ping, light pole to light pole. So that's what I was talking with Lieber. And I saw a lot of the technology with the nano stuff, with the nano meshes especially, that led me to believe that you could, with the quantum dot and so forth, you could irradiate with one light pole the light be full before you, there would be some absorptive quality of the quantum dot, and then it would it would release when it went back to a lower energy state. It would release that, and I could that would be my ping, something I could measure. Internet of Things or Internet of Everything now. Yeah. And when, at what point do you go? I have enough granularity. I have enough uh, differentiation. I have enough visibility. I'm happy now. You're never happy enough if you're a DHS. Yeah. You all you want a Lieber. I'm. Excuse me. You want a Latos doorway every time somebody goes through a doorway. Yeah. You want you want to scan to know who it is exactly. I mean, I think I think that's what Internet of Things and Internet of Everything is. Um, and I think that's the track we're on. And anyway, we'll leave it there.
1: No, I was going to say no. I would you know your phone your phone's always pinging cell towers right triangulating metadata they know where you are. I mean, why wouldn't they, you know, why, why wouldn't we have the NRO scanning the whole earth? Why wouldn't you have, NORAD scans every flight, every plane that's above a thousand feet on the planet. Why wouldn't you want to cover the whole world and every moving person? You could fill them all in as they went by security cameras or checked in with an ID. You could fill in the blank spots. It might take a couple of years, but ding, there's a guy we haven't seen before. Well, okay. Well, here's our records that say this is his car. Well, there's Bob Smith. You could cover the whole world, and it would. It's not very different than all the surveillance programs Snowden talked about.
0: I was just in Boston and Google. I was talking to the Google kids working on the cars. You know, the automated cars and stuff. And they're they're doing it. I mean, they they're they're ready to make Uber and Lyft all robot cars and you know, um, and and the UPS trucks with the you know flying monkey, uh, drones going up up the street with delivering your packages. They're ready to do it. So,
1: uh, anyway, get right, get right with God. (laughs) I don't know what else to say. Get right with your creator. Yeah, man. This has been fun. This has been fun. It's been so much fun. Thank you so much for coming. I apologize again for the GD and, um, thank you so much for having me on and, uh, yeah, I'll upload it to my channel and, um, until next time, my man.
0: Yep. Thanks Tommy. All right, George. Thank you so Oh, yeah. uh, j-
1: uh, jolly jeepers, jeepers, bah humbug, shucks. All right, man. I you know. All right, buddy. Take care. Thank you so much. You much Bye-bye.